everybody, welcome to another Prog Report podcast interview. This is Roy. My guest on this episode today is Kevin Como, who is one half of the Canadian duo Crownlands. Actually, they're about to release their second album, Fearless, on March 31st. Uh, Kevin plays guitar, keyboards, and bass. Uh, his partner, Cody Bowles, plays drums and sings. And uh, they have a really strong Rush influence, very prog heavy. In fact, the debut single off the new album was the 18-minute epic Starlifter, which is really, really cool. So uh, we got to talk about the history of the band, the new album, everything going on with them. Just a reminder, please subscribe to our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, You can get our episodes on YouTube and our podcast is available on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, please check out my chat with Kevin Como from Crownlands. Uh, well, definitely good to uh, to meet you, man. Um, yeah, you I have too. to say, I, we'll just get this thing going here. Um, so I re- really, I, maybe like so a lot of people have just started to become aware of the band, really. And yeah. um, it's been pretty sort of instantaneous, I feel like. All of a sudden, everybody that I know that follows music started discovering you guys and we all started emailing each other about the band around the same time has, has that cool been what's happening or are we just really late yeah yeah so obviously um for us you know the band's kind of been like our whole world for like the better part of eight years but it definitely feels like at least with this record um i think we've turned like a really big corner uh in the band as like as songwriters and arrangers i think the music has just reached like a much higher quality than it was before and i i think that luckily our our music and like just our live performance videos um are sort of speaking for themselves and actually like getting into the right ears and the right minds which um you know, typically are prog rock fans, right? Because right. uh, that's what Cody and I love. You know, we, we you know, started the band uh, from our mutual love of bands like, um, you know, King Crimson and Rush and, you know, Zeppelin and Floyd and uh, Genesis. And um, I feel like finally uh, we've gotten to the point in our careers too where we're just kind of like, we're not really interested in compromising our artistic vision in the name of trying to appeal to people who may or may not like us. Cause we've kind of realized the fact that like, if you make music for yourself, the like, there's going to be the same amount of people who like it and the same amount of people who don't. But if you make music thinking it's going to appeal to other people, it's you're going to have the same situation. Whereas the issue is though, is like maybe the wrong people are going to like it and the wrong people are going to dislike it. Totally. And now that we're just writing songs like Starlifter, like, 18 minute space operas about the battle of good and evil, which is the kind of music we've always wanted to hear in the modern landscape. Now it feels like uh, the people who resonate with the same music that inspires us are coming to the table, which is, I think that's the most exciting thing about, um, about this record and, you know, the pieces of music that we're putting out is the fact that we're finally um, at a point of as musicians that we're able to write music that matches what we hear in our heads. And that takes a long time, especially trying to arrange music for a duo, you know, because Rush is, you know, like such a, um, uh, like a point of reference for Cody and I of like, you know, like what they were able to accomplish as three people. Uh, and they always had that joke is like, well, you know, we're a three piece symphonic orchestra. And so we wanted to kind of, 
up the ante. It's like, what if we were a two-piece symphonic so, orchestra? So How I do have we... so many questions about all of that. And, and, and like you're saying, stemming from watching that Starlifter video, which is what um, one of the first things I, I saw of you guys. And um, going back to when you first started. So I, I want to give people who aren't familiar with Van, maybe just come in on board like us and uh, talk about how you and Cody got started. You are a two-piece. He plays drums and sings. You play everything else. How you play all of it is insane. But thank you. Um, you know, talk about how you guys got started. Was it always just the two of you? Was there ever more people in the band, or was that ever a, a, a consideration? Yeah. Um. So the way it started, um, I'll just give you like the whole context. So, um. I went and studied classical music at university and I think I just listened to too much Bob Dylan and I read too much Jack Kerouac and I realized like the open road was calling my name. So I, I, I hitchhiked from Toronto to Los Angeles over the course of about a month when I was 19 years old. Oh my God. I was just like, you know, just like, you know, sleeping on the sides of the highways in the woods and uh, living the full on like Jack Kerouac life. And, uh, oh. but when I got to LA, I ended up, I, um, I met this uh, reggae band and they needed a keyboard player. And so I ended up uh, playing a gig with them that night. I sat in with them and they liked me enough to invite me back. And I ended up crashing on their couch for like six months. We played like the whiskey, a go, go. We, you know, we did a bunch of stuff uh, just like up and down like the highway um, uh, throughout California. And uh, the only downside though, is um, if you're a Canadian citizen, you, you can only stay in the States for six months at a time unless, you know, until it's time to uh, go and get your paperwork in order. So I went back home for the holidays just to visit my family. And um, when I was home, I think the day or two after I got home, a good buddy of mine who's a great guitar player um, was auditioning for a band that Cody was playing drums in at the time. And I came along to the audition because I'd heard Cody's a big Rush fan and like I have a Rush tattoo on my bum. And so within about five minutes of meeting Cody, I mooned, I mooned Cody and uh, Cody thought it was hilarious. And uh, it was just one of those like stepbrothers moments. Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Let's go do karate in the garage. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just, we, and so we ended up, um, I ended up getting that gig. I played guitar in this band, but the issue was, was uh, the bass player who's a fantastic bass player, a great human and actually a great painter. Um, not the best singer. Um, but the bass player in this band wanted to be the singer. And I was like, Cody should be the singer. Listen to what Cody does, right? Because at that point, Cody just wanted to be a drummer. And ironically, I just wanted to be a bass player, keyboard player. I had no interest in playing guitar. Cody had no real interest in being a singer. Um, so the, that band kind of just ended up fizzling out. And I ended up playing guitar for uh, this other uh, band. Uh, for almost a year and like I toured with the, these other guys and I really felt like I honed my chops as a guitar player and that was where I kind of came into my own as a six string guy and then I came back home from that tour and I got linked back up with Cody because I had amassed a bunch of riffs and sound checks as one does and um, we ended up um, just jamming out those riffs and and Cody started belting like this the way that Cody does now and it was just like such a, a moment where it's like this is the band you know, and so that was when we um, decided to uh, call the band Crownlands. After a bunch of deliberation, there was a few other options out there, which um, I think Thunderfuck was one of them. Which I'm so glad we ended up going with Crownlands. You know, it's a great um, nice, really a, good name. I like it. 
Thanks. Yeah. Cause I, like Cody is um, half Mi'kmaq, which is an indigenous tribe from Nova Scotia and crown land in Canada represents uh, crown uh, land. That's like uh, regulated by the federal government and technically owned by the monarch still. And on crown land is um, old growth forests, which have most of them have now been, you know, cut down for logging. Uh, it's either, or the oil sands in Alberta, which have been fracked to shit or um, in, indigenous reservations, right. Where, uh, when um, the federal government built the the railway system through Western Canada, that was when the RCMP was founded, which is our federal police. And uh, their only use at that point, they were only founded to uh, round up Indigenous people on their own land and put them onto essential um, like prison systems, and uh, just so that way they wouldn't get in the way of um, of this railway system that was built by Laurier and. Um, now we've seen, you know, after uh, 150 years, uh, the absolute damage and destruction that has been done uh, to Canada and in against its indigenous people. And so we wanted to reclaim that term crown land and re- and make people recognize that crown land is indeed stolen land. And that that's uh, our small way of kind of reclaiming that term and raising awareness and, and giving a voice back to in, uh, indigenous people and trying to make sure that we're raising uh, indigenous voices properly and responsibly. And um, right so on. that's great. Um, yeah. And like a lot of our music deals with like anti-colonial themes, right? Like Starlifter absolutely represents the, you know, the, it's like it, Cody described it as indigenous futurism, right? When we wrote the story, it represents a character who sees his planet, you know, colonized, destroyed and everything he knows is gone. Uh, thanks to this um, interstellar syndicate, which is harnessing the power of his son, uh, to destroy his planet in the name of profit and greed. And so he rises up against the, these people with, um, you know, so the classic battle of good versus evil. And then Citadel, the last song on our record, celebrates um, the indigenous land defenders up in Whetstone, which is unceded territory in northern BC, um, where, you know, in under 50 years ago, there were a lot of treaties that were proposed, and a lot of them were not signed, which means there's a lot of territory in Canada, which is legally not Canada. And ironically, that is where a lot of uh, pipelines are built, um, you know, against the wishes of indigenous people. Right. And basically uh, Canadian government uses uh, militaristic force and, you know, tears down people's homes and destroys land. And, you know, Canada's number one resource is clean drinking water. And the number one way that we've destroyed our clean drinking water is with our oil pipelines, which, uh, you know, Everyone always says they're not going to leak, they're not going to spill, and then sure enough, oh, there's another river that's been destroyed, there's right. another lake that's yep. been destroyed, and it's like, um, so it's important to recognize that these indigenous land defenders are not just protecting their own land, but they're also standing up for the colonizers themselves as well, whereas like, there's only so much land, there's only so much water, you keep destroying it in order to sell your oil, you know, uh, overseas, at a you know, discounted rate. There's only so much of that that can happen until you realize, you know, we've we've destroyed ourselves, right? And so the short-sighted um, capitalistic greed that we've seen our government enact in the last few years is heartbreaking. So we wanted to make a song that uh, celebrates the land defenders that are looking out for everyone's best interests. That's killer, man. Love it. I love the whole the whole vibe and approach and and uh, and everything you guys are trying to do. That's amazing. Um, Thanks, man. As you were starting to work at the band to go back to the music um yeah you realize oh yeah so, so to start and... we yeah we realized with the two of us like had enough of like a writing um chemistry and um we realized like it was kind of like a it's like a shtick right like it's uh, you know it's like a circus act like cody singing and drumming the way they do and the way that um i'm able to do keyboards bass and guitar at the same time it just kind of felt like um 
it was another way to sell the band and you know um it worked you know it, i think it's it also enabled us to tour very cheaply at the beginning of it obviously now we have a crew that we hire which honestly it would have been cheaper just to let someone in the band as a creative entity right you know like hindsight is 2020 um but you know we we really wanted just to keep it the two of us um and we started out touring in my dad's Hyundai Elantra, right? Where we'd be barreling down the highway with Cody's drums in their lap because we didn't have enough room, you know? And we just didn't have enough room for anyone else, right? We had to bring merch. And um, being a big Rush fan, I've got a set of, a, a number of sets of uh, Taurus pedals, you know, keyboards that I can play with my feet. So I just figured, like, um, it just kind of made the most sense just to keep it the two of us because that's kind of, like, something we've um, we've really enjoyed doing anyways. And, um yeah, and now it's just to the point where like you know i kind of go back and forth with cody a bunch where i would like to actually hire out some live touring members the way that mars volta does where you know it's omar and cedric but then there's like a whole band or you look at 80s genesis when it was just phil mike and um right. and tony but then of course chester thompson was on drums and then they had daryl strummer doing all the other parts that mike rutherford didn't want to do i'd love to get to a point where we can do that we just can't afford it you know um we just uh there's not enough room in there's not enough room in the van and you know but i'd love to get to that point where you know cody could be like a sexier phil collins where um you know cody can go up there and do the front person thing but then we have like that second set of drums and we can you know have like you know right. I instrumental just love, stuff I, he can go back and, and join yeah yeah, yeah you know cool. that's why i always loved you know about like you know se- um was it uh seconds out and three sides live those two um live genesis records like i just love the moments where they pan the drums hard left and right where chester's on one side and phil's on the other and you just hear like the polyrhythms that they do with each other because uh cody studied like west african drumming in university so cody's like the polyrhythm master right and um so i just feel like those skills aren't really put to good use in Crownlands because of the fact there's only one set of drums. So I would just love to see what happens, even if we ever just do one tour where like we get a bass player. So that way I can, you know, have a bit more freedom just to like worry about guitar. And I, cause I'm, I'm glued like Cody and I are both glued in one spot the whole set because Cody's singing and drumming and I'm doing guitar, bass and keyboard. So we can't like run around and move right. around too much. Yeah. So we rely on the lighting show very much again, like the way Genesis and rush did where we have like, you know, in Floyd, where we've got like the lasers and the big lights, but at the end of the day, it would be nice to be able to move around a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, so um, even just to give my leg a break, right. I'm spent, I'm spending like an hour and a half every night standing on one leg. Cause I got a, you know, I got the double neck strapped on me and I got like standing on my left leg to do all the Taurus pedals parts. So it's like basically doing like a half squat the whole time. So it's, that's, uh, that's you insane. Um, so so then you guys go ahead and, and get signed. You put out uh, the debut album, which features um, White Buffalo on it. Great song. Thanks. Um, I saw you won some Juno Awards, which is for people not familiar, big Canadian kind of Grammys type thing right yeah. up there. Um, yeah. I, from there. It's the Cool Guys album. Club. We've, you know, we've, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're right. now officially the. <laughs> so. So from then you go to uh, the new album, which comes out uh, March thirty first, called, called "Fearless," and I can definitely hear. I think what you what you alluded to earlier, which is we're really going to go for it now on this one. What were you holding back a little bit? Was there was there a sort of a uh, uh, maybe a suggestion that that you guys don't prog out all the way on the first album, or I mean, was that yeah, something you guys I mean, were battling? It was definitely man definitely um like cody would argue like 
just as much as we like Prague, um, Cody's just as interested in the blues as well. And, uh, and so am I, but um, we had actually written uh, context uh, at the same time as, you know, we had written like 40 songs um, in the pre-production stage of that first record. Right. Cause we had just signed to universal. Uh, we had just got our new rehearsal space and we were just going in there like all day, every day. Cause we were still working full-time jobs. We were grinding it out. We'd show up and we were hungry. So we were just writing and writing, 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 and we were throwing everything at the wall that could stick. And so some of those songs, you know, were proggier some of them were punkier some of them were a bit more metal leaning some of them were bluesier leaning we had just we were just kind of writing two or three songs a week just trying to figure out what was going to stick and um so the first side of our self-titled record is much more fuzzier a lot more slide a lot more like open tunes kind of stuff but then side two was is kind of hints at the more or like ornate sort of proggier side where we, that's like Sundance and end of the road, which are still songs that feel very relevant to us today. And we still play those in our sets, but a lot of the other songs have kind of dropped off just because they don't feel as um, um, cohesive uh, with the rest of our material now. Um, but I think um, like Dave Cobb, who we made our first record with because we had toured with Rival Sons and Dave Cobb did all of Rival Sons records. Okay, so it just cool. kind of felt natural. Mm -hmm. um, Dave, yeah, D Dave Cobb was very like reluctant to want to do any of the proggier stuff because we showed him like a really rough version of the Oracle, a rough version of Context. And he was like, nah, let's go more with, you know, this more rootsier kind of thing. Because the truth of the matter is, is we got signed to Universal um, because of Greta Van Fleet's success, right? Because we, you know, we were gunning, you know, we we're grinding it out on the independent field for a long time. And um, Greta, you know, um, was able to break through the mainstream and just like whatever, you know, whenever a new kind of artist with a new sound or reinvents a new old sound, um, typically you'll see like 10, 15 other bands get signed and then two <laughs> or three more will get kind of like, will be lucky to break through as well, right? You see, you saw that in like the Seattle grunge movement in the 90s you saw sure, that yeah. um uh when mgmt broke through right you saw a lot of new other bands kind of like doing that kind of synth psychedelic world right you know then it, then you see team at tame impala and all of a sudden then you see this whole new wave of australian psych rock moving through and just as you know greta blew blew uh the doors open for the new wave of classic rock which was something that we had already been doing for a long time but i think what happened was was um there was a conscious or unconscious effort to sort of fit into that mold uh, with the self-titled record of embracing like what was already working. And um, honestly, like, and it, it, it didn't work because COVID hit. Right. And uh, we weren't able to tour. We had this whole like international tour planned out and we were going to go and support that record. And truthfully, like it was kind of a mixed blessing that we were stuck um, at home in the studio writing instead of going on tour, because that was when we made the white Buffalo record, uh, which, you know, we ended up recording that with David Bottrell who um, you know, David Bottrell did uh, the tool records and Peter Gabriel. And um, he mixed uh, a number of pumpkins and muse records. And so he, he gets the more like technical ornate sort of side of music a lot more intimately than a lot of other people we've worked with, you know, to the point where like the day he walked in the studio, you know, we had written white Buffalo in 13, eight as a nod to turn it on again by Genesis. And he's like, add one more beat every second measure. So that way it turns into seven, eight. And it was like, of course, you know, whereas pretty much everyone else who you typically work with is like that, that riff sounds a little off kilter. Cool. Whereas Bottrell is like, oh yeah, like 
he just he understands harmony and rhythm so much more intimately than pretty much anyone else I've ever worked with, like producer or musician. Right. He's just um, a genius where, again, same thing where some people be like, you know, the chord progression goes down, 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 you know, and he'll be like, oh, yes, I like how you modulate from G minor into C minor. That's clever. Yeah. You know, so it's like, (laughs) yeah. yeah, So like that's exactly but but that's exactly the kind of person I want to I want to be working with, because that's how I think about music, too. Right. And um that's um that's how i write because again being the only person who does harmony in the band i have to have like an, an intimate knowledge to see how that works because i'm stuck arranging for three very different instruments that are playing different roles in the band and i need to make sure it's all going to work and support the song and so dave is just like an absolute just genius i love collaborating with him and i love making him uh you know uh roll his eyes with my terrible attempts at humor too he's he's a, such a great guy um so but that felt have, like a really big turn. You have a uh, sorry. Um, you have a, a big rush connection, right? I mean, I've seen stuff where you've worked with Alex, and uh, you worked with uh, Terry Brown, and and uh, is context uh, a tribute to Rush as well? I read that somewhere. Is that yeah, def- definitely. Like because we had written a lot of that, and we arranged like a very early version uh, with Terry, and actually uh, um, the voiceover that Terry produced as as the version that ended up in in the final recording which is really cool and uh yeah just getting to work with terry was like an absolute dream come true but uh what happened was basically we had written this we had arranged it and then all of a sudden we got you know our management team and then we got whisked away on tour after tour where we were touring with like toyd and cambria protest the hero jack white rival sons primus and like in the who and it was like this like year of like being so compressed in the van and like re refining our live show and then we went back and listened to the version of context that we had arranged with terry and it was like it had changed so much and we realized that we had to go and re-record it and so we ended up re-recording it with nick rasculinitz and that was when um i I felt like that you know that was a really big moment for us um because neil peart had just passed away and so while we were in the studio with nick we ended up writing uh right way back as like as a tribute to neil as well and um so context was always kind of like, you know, I think like the fearless mythology, fearless parts one and two is like where um, a lot of people, you know, it's like if people go up to you and say, oh, you sound like this band or sound like that band, you can be like, no, I don't. I want to I sound like me. Or you can be like, thank you. Obviously, <laughs> we are pulling very much from from this band. And so, like, there's no secret that, you know, we're hugely inspired by Rush, um, you know, um, just because. I think the way that they were able to arrange really complex music with a very limited uh, set of instrumentation is something that we pull from so much. And it's just, you'd be a fool not to to go to those records for inspiration because Terry, especially those, those first 10 records, they're very raw. There are not a whole lot of overdubs, you know, it's, it's about getting the, the richness and the fullness from the arrangement and the tones and textures that you're using. And I think that's yeah. something that we pull from a lot is like how they were able to sound so big um, by the way they were writing their music, not just by like a lot of modern rock. It's just like, okay, record like guitar after guitar after guitar after guitar, right? Where David Bottrell is a very similar way where he's like, he doesn't like doubling um, more than like two parts. You know, he like a lot of people will do like four or five parts for a rhythm part. Dave's like two parts at most. And like, yeah. sometimes I would get like a tripling part where it's like, you know, we'll double, you know, like I'll record like, I'll double um, my rhythm guitars with SGs. I like to like have a humbucker guitar pan left and a P90 guitar pan right because you get that more scoop tone with the humbuckers and then the P90s is all mids. And so they basically fit 
instead of having to do your EQ later, the guitars do the work for you, right? And so that way they just kind of fit the whole frequency. And then I'll get cheeky and I'll be like, let's put a 12 string in the middle though, you know? And Dave's <laughs> like, it's gonna sound too mushy. And it's like, well, you know, like, um, you know, but, uh, but that's like a huge part of the sound on uh, Fearless though, is a lot of the time it's just doubling uh, guitars with different pickups. And then, you know, for a chorus, I'll throw a 12 string on, on top as a third part, just to really give you that extra shimmer and chime. Um, because live, you know, a lot of the time, um, you do that just by turning a chorus pedal on or off, right? You know, so much of the subtlety is lost live anyways, but on record, you know, it's really fun to like get into that. And and Dave lets me uh, get away with a lot of, a, a lot of that. Like um, uh, I will just show up with all of my amps and all of my toys and typically Dave is, is a bit more hands-off on that. Whereas like, if it sounds good, it is good, but you know, he's, he's not afraid to get in there and really tweak if it isn't feeling right. But you know, luckily we've got a, enough of a strong relationship where he already knows what I kind of want to go for. So. Um, what was it like meeting Alex? Uh, and was that the first time in the, like a couple of years ago, I think that's when it happened or. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Alex is the best man. He's the nicest guy in the world. We, um, we we got asked to do the uh, the Andy Kim Christmas, which is like an annual uh, charity gig at Massey Hall uh, that Andy Kim does. And Andy Kim's like this legendary songwriter, and um, he always you know has like this star-studded cast of people that he invites out to do a song or two throughout you know throughout the show. And so we got asked to do um, a Zeppelin medley. We did um, Battle of Evermore and Stairway to Heaven with Alex nice. and. Uh, it was so cool, man. Like, you know, in the rehearsals, like I'm standing behind Alex and I'm just like playing every rush pick that I know. And he's just looking back and like, yeah, that's just like, uh, it was so great though. It was, it was so special. And we ended up meeting uh, Scully McIntosh, who's um, Getty Lee's bass tech. And he was there teching for Alex and Scully ended up help, helping Getty write that big, beautiful book of basses that came out a number of years ago. And uh, Scully's actually become like a really good friend of ours because he lives around the corner from me. And we've just, you know, we've uh, we've connected and become good buddies. He's like the nicest guy as well. It's just like, again, that's something I admire about Rush too, is that they um, they surrounded themselves with really good people and they treated each other so well. And most artists, you know, like every band's got their their stories, right? But Rush seems to have really um, um, somehow maintained like really solid relationships internally and externally over their 40 year career. Well, they have a great reputation. Like... You've never heard anybody say anything bad about those guys, you know, which is, yeah, which... which is all you can ask. You know, that's great. Uh, yeah. You have a, a new single out now, lady of the lake. Love that song. It's fantastic. Great video. Got everybody should go yeah. ahead and check that out now. It's phenomenal. Um, are you guys planning on tour in the U S anytime soon? No, um, it's just too expensive for us right now, right? Like it's, um, you know, it costs us about $12,000 every time we want to enter the States to get work permits, wow. you know, That's and it's just, and then, you know, you're losing thousands of dollars a day to be on the road in the States because of, you know, the exchange rate and then food and gas, hotels, per diems, crew wages. And it's just, it's a losing prospect and we just can't afford it right now. So it's just the reality that, you know, um, well, it'll happen. Have, it'll happen. Yeah. It's eventually yeah. it's gotta, yeah. Uh, you yeah. toured with everybody. It sounds like what was the sort of craziest tour you've been on so far in, in the last few years? Um, 
Primus was a huge highlight for us because I mean, I just, I grew up worshiping Primus because bass was my first instrument and it was really cool to hang out with Les. Um, and one day we were, you know, we were jamming, we we're like trading bass, bass licks over and over. And uh, I was, you know, I mentioned like Buzzers or Green Hill from the Flying Frog Brigade record uh, was one of my favorite bass lines. And so, you know, we we're playing it and he just looks at me and he's like, oh, you're a bass player. Right? I'm like, I am. And he's like, why are you playing guitar then? And it was just this really funny moment. Um, but a huge highlight too was last year we toured the States with Greta Van Fleet and, um, you know, it was an amazing tour and, uh, we lost a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was just, it was really special because, um, uh, we had never really seen so many rock fans that were that young, you know, in that generation that are, you know, younger, uh, you know, yeah. they're like these high school kids that are just ravenous for new music and that was just so special. We saw like a, a huge uptick in our in our social media as well. Where all of a sudden we're seeing these these people that were not coming up to us and be like, "I saw yes in '72 at the Maple Leaf Gardens, man." All of a sudden it was people that were like, "Wow, these guys are really good." And all of a sudden then we get introduced them to this whole new generation of you know a whole new generation of music, um, which is really exciting. Where all of a sudden they're going to fall down the rabbit hole just like I did. Where you know I got into Rush because of Getty Lee and then all of a sudden that was the first time I registered like what guitar actually was because you know you when you play a certain instrument like drums or bass or guitar when you listen to a song all your, you've got the blinders on right you're just listening to like that instrument whereas like hearing Rush for the first time is the first time I realized like oh my god like I need to learn how to play the guitar I need to learn how to play the keyboards and so Rush yeah. sent me down that that path whereas um uh, I feel like oh, hopefully we can do that for for a whole new generation right because you know after I got into Rush I got into Yes, and then Floyd, and then Crimson, and then, you know, as you fall down the rabbit hole, it usually all it takes is that one band to be like, oh my God, open your eyes to the magic of music, and then you you go in, and so hopefully we can be that band for a lot of you know of these these younger people that are getting into prog rock and discovering, you know, like I was not expecting um, the uh, the reception that we got for Starlifter from those younger fans, right? I figured we'd get like a lot of scratched heads but again like the lore and the storytelling that we've put into it all of a sudden is giving all these you know these, these people um you know what? It's, something it's, more than just a song to to discover right it's no different than when rush was like uh right before making 2112 going against the record company and going screw it we're, we're doing this you know and everybody yeah. goes holy shit this is awesome so i think uh i think you guys are onto something i think it's great you know and, Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I've, I'm a big fan, a new fan, uh, but uh, excited to see what uh, what you guys are doing and uh, yeah, thanks. you know, bring the music to the young people. It's it's fantastic. So, uh, congrats on everything, and hopefully, uh, maybe we can have you guys back again and talk to Cody. I'd love to chat with him and and uh, find out everything from his perspective. But um, again, so uh, Crown Lands, the album is Fearless, comes out on March 31st. Uh, Kevin, pleasure, man. Great to meet you, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you so much, Roy. Nice to meet you. Take care, right. man. Bye. Thanks to Kevin for the interview. Don't forget, Cranland's new album, Fearless, is out on March 31st. The single, Lady of the Lake, is out now. We're going to close with a bit of that on the way out. Check us out on all our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, podcasts available on all our podcast networks, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks. Thanks.